It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And- And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. What you need to know and when you need to know it. KFI AM 640 Los Angeles, Orange County. And KOST HD2. It's 5 a.m. What did you miss? It's time for Wake Up Call with Jennifer Jones-Lee. Hello. How was your weekend? It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Tell me you did something fun. Tell me you did something that felt normal. My friend's here from Reading, staying with me for a couple of nights. And last night, <laughs> we went to Cracker Barrel in Rialto. And there was something about, she was laughing at me because being from Reading, they are much more stuff is open there. Uh, like she put it, she said, I feel like we've never really closed down. Shasta County. And uh, it was so nice to just sit down and look at a menu. And I, mm, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want the Sunday pot roast. I don't know if I want the chicken and dumplings. Anyway, it was, it was wonderful to sit and be around other people. Anyway, please tell me you two did something normal because it felt so good. Here's what's just ahead on your wake-up call. Nearly 150 people have been arrested at a birthday party in Huntington Beach. The family of a six-year-old boy who was shot to death by another driver in a road rage attack on the 55 in Orange has announced a $5,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the suspects. Did you watch the Billboard Music Awards? I'll tell you who the big winners were coming up in just a few minutes. And at 5.05, we'll talk with ABC's Karen Travers. The White House had a self-imposed deadline for police reform for this week, but it's clear that the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which was supposed to take place on the one-year anniversary on his death, is not happening. We'll talk about what the White House says is behind the delay when we talk with Karen in just a few minutes. But let's start with some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Shop owners in Huntington Beach have started cleaning up vandalism from a party that ended with almost 150 people being arrested. Thousands showed up to a birthday party that had gone viral on TikTok. It was pretty terrifying. We weren't expecting this. Making Waves hair salon owner Susanna Smith says she headed down Saturday night to protect her shop because she saw people tagging her front window on security cameras. I had a hit and run on my car and the kids were on the intersection of Main and Orange Street doing donuts. Very close proximity, very dangerous. She says partiers somehow even made it up on top of buildings and most of the downtown area was hit with graffiti in Orange County, Corbin Carson, KFI News. 
Well, the family of that six-year-old boy who was shot to death by another driver in a road rage attack on the freeway is offering a $50,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of whoever did it. The boy's mom, Joanna Clunan, says she was driving her son Aiden to school on Friday when another car cut her off. He meant the world to me, and it feels like my life is over. That was my baby. Uh, that boy was sitting in his booster seat when a bullet went through the trunk of the car and hit him. It's like every detail that comes out makes that story more and more horrific. The LAPD says it's arrested a man from banning for a hate crime in Mid-City. The department says the man was booked for assault with a deadly weapon and the case will be sent to the DA's office this week. Investigators say on May 18th, the man was part of a group who harassed some outdoor diners at a sushi restaurant. Hours earlier, there had been a rally for Palestinian rights nearby. Video from a bystander shows a man swinging and using a metal pole used for velvet ropes as a weapon. The LAPD says the man used the pole to beat a Jewish man. The department says it's also looking for three other men who were part of the group. Steve Gregory, KFI News. The California variant is now the top mutation of the COVID-19 variant in L.A. County. Health officials say until last week, it used to be the U.K. variant. But come on now, we could not let the U.K. variant be number one in California. We needed to be number one in California, right? <laughs> Brother. Recent lab tests also show the presence of the Brazil and South African variants, though those numbers came in low. And despite the presence of the variants, health officials say they still plan to loosen restrictions on June 15th to come in line with the state's revised health order. The World Health Organization says the world needs a fairer distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. The director general has criticized what he calls the vaccine divide. The number of doses administered globally so far would have been enough to cover all health workers and older people if they had been distributed equitably. He says the world could have been in a better position if there was a better system of distributing vaccines. Governor Newsom says he wants California to stop producing oil by 2045, but environmentalists want something done sooner. They say studies show there's a higher risk for people who live near drilling sites. The state's oil and gas regulator is expected to make a ruling soon on the distances required between oil, oil drilling sites and homes, schools and hospitals. Karen Travers, good morning to you. So what's the delay in the White House and police reform? Yeah, you know, it is a delay because negotiations continue and key lawmakers who were involved in this process say that that's okay. You know, that meaningful progress is being made, but there's still more time is needed right now. And there's still a lot more work to be done. You know, the president had set this deadline when he delivered remarks to Congress last month, saying he wanted to see the Senate follow the House and pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act by tomorrow, the one-year anniversary of Floyd's death. And, you know, how many times over the past couple of years have we talked about deadlines uh, on Capitol Hill? And usually it's because funding is about to expire or uh, something else is going to expire. There's a, there's a reason this deadline is happening and they've got to get something done. This isn't one of those deadlines. This is symbolic. And it was important for the president, uh, he said, to put down that marker. But the reality was is that they probably weren't going to get it done by tomorrow, May 25th. Uh, but maybe it's a little bit more of a speed up of the negotiations. I think it was interesting to see over the weekend, Republicans and Democrats on the Hill, uh, our White House sources saying to us that it was better to just let these negotiations play out rather than try and rush for this symbolic deadline and do something that people then don't like. They want to do it right. 
So negotiations continue. We heard from Cory Booker say over the weekend, meaningful progress is being made. Yeah, and even uh, Karen Bass, who is from California and the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, said the most important thing is mm-hmm. that we have a bill that hits the president's desk, not the date that it does. Right. And I, I do think that that's an, an important point of, you know what, we're willing yeah. to sit back and make sure this thing is right before we try and put it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I gotta say, going back to what I said earlier, like how many times have we talked about where they're just rushing for a deadline? Yeah. We gotta fund the government by September 30th. We gotta do this by December 23rd. Everything then just kind of is a scramble, and afterwards it's like we didn't like this, and this got included in the last second, and it's just kind of a mess. And they don't want that this time, and they don't have to do it by any particular deadline. That date for the president obviously was important because of the anniversary, and I think it did some speed up of things. You know, I think everybody had that date circled on the calendar. I think the other thing to know is that this work has been done going back to last year. You know, this is not something that just came up in the past couple of months. There have been meaningful conversations and negotiations on how to do this right going back to last summer in the wake of the protests across the nation. I read a couple of stories where activists were saying that they were fine with this. In other, just like we've been talking about, get it right. Don't do it. Don't mm-hmm. rush it. But is there any push back at all? Are there any critics of this that they didn't hit the self-imposed timeline? Not really. And I think that's notable. You know, sure, it would have been nice. I think the president will say he would have liked to do that. But tomorrow he's going to meet at the White House with members of George Floyd's family to mark that one year anniversary. Officials say he's really looking forward to that meeting and that the courage and grace of Floyd's family, especially his young daughter, have really stuck with the president over the course of the last year. He's not going to be signing legislation, but he will be marking that occasion in what White House officials say will be a meaningful way for him. All right. Thank you so much, Karen. Have a great Monday. You too. Thank you. Thanks. See you later. ABC's Karen Travers. And as Karen mentioned, tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death. The police officer who knelt on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes has been convicted of third-degree murder. Derek Chauvin will be sentenced in June. Billy Hill, who owns a barbershop in the Minneapolis neighborhood where Floyd died, says the conviction was actually a surprise. When he got sentenced, everyone was saying that he probably was going to end up getting off and things like that. So, But now, you know, we kept the faith. A lot of people praying, you know. Um, just as justice being served. The International Atomic Energy Agency says Iran has agreed to a one-month extension for surveillance cameras at its nuclear sites. Under the deal, the international agency collects and analyzes images to check that Iran is sticking to the 2015 nuclear deal. President Biden says Secretary of State Antony Blinken will go to the Middle East today to follow up on the ceasefire between Israel and Palestinians in Gaza. The ceasefire was agreed to late last week after 11 days of fighting, which killed more than 200 people. Biden says Blinken will put in the groundwork for the resumption of long-delayed peace talks in the region. We'll get more on this with ABC's Jordana Miller in just a few minutes. I also want to talk with her about the ceasefire. Did it stick? What's the latest on that? And what do you have to do to make a ceasefire in a region like this stick. And here's the deal. We know that there have been ceasefires before and then all of a sudden everything flares back up. So what causes uh, or who gets to say, all right, ceasefire over. How does that work? We'll ask her in a few minutes. The Biden administration says it condemns the government of Belarus for faking a bomb threat to force down a passenger plane. ABC's Andrew Dimbert says the plot was to put 
was put into play to arrest a journalist. The Ryanair flight was traveling from Greece to Lithuania Sunday with more than 120 passengers on board, including U.S. citizens. The plane was passing through Belarus airspace when air traffic control told the pilots to turn around because of possible explosives on board. So the journalist was part of a massive protest against the re-election of the Belarus president last year. To go to those lengths for the government to call in a bomb threat so that the plane would come down so that they could arrest this journalist. I mean, if you're if you are any portion of the media in that region, you've got to be freaking out right now. Thinking if they're willing to go to those lengths to arrest one guy, what are they going to do to me? Officials say 14 people have been killed in a cable car crash in Italy. ABC's Megan Williams says the crash happened on Sunday. As the inspection of the crumpled cable car on the mountain slope near Italy's northern Lake Maggiore continues, loved ones of the victims begin to mourn. Those killed include Italians, an Iranian man and five Israelis. She says an investigation has been started into how the cable, which authorities say was updated in 2016, snapped. A man from Beverly Hills is expected to face a federal judge in L.A. today on a murder-for-hire charge. Scott Burkett was arrested Friday for allegedly making Bitcoin payments of $13,000 to hire a hitman to kill a woman he briefly dated, who then dumped him. He briefly dates a girl, and she dumps him, and he pays thirteen grand to kill her because he's that fragile. The U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, that was not in the story, that was me. The U.S. Attorney's Office says the hitman was actually an undercover FBI agent. So he was fragile and not bright. A man from Palm Desert is expected to be sentenced today for throwing a firebomb into a Republican Party office last year in the Coachella Valley. The guy has pleaded guilty to a charge of attempted arson of a building. The U.S. Attorney's Office says the charge carries a sentence from between 5 to 20 years in prison. Google has announced its first ever retail store will open this summer. Google's first store is located in New York and will sell Pixel phones, Fitbit devices, Pixel books, and other Google products. According to Google's website, customers will be able to look at items up close and receive help with Google devices. The store will be part of the company's campus in the Chelsea neighborhood where more than 11,000 Google employees work. Google has been anchored in New York for the last 20 years. Claudette Stefanian, KFI News. And the weekend has been named top artist, top artist at the Billboard Music Awards. Among other awards this weekend, or <laughs> among other awards, the weekend won this weekend last night include top radio song artist, top R and B artist, and top R and B album. The other major winner was Taylor Swift, who was named top female artist. All right, and we come back again. More on that ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Is it sticking? We'll find out when we talk with ABC's Jordana Miller. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to your Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee, and some of the stories we're following in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Nearly 150 people have been arrested at a birthday party in Huntington Beach. An invitation to the party went viral on TikTok Saturday, and it drew about 2,500 people to the downtown area. Some of them set off fireworks. Others climbed a lifeguard tower. 
Police declared it an unlawful assembly and told the crowd to go home. But when they didn't, the officers made arrests. And the family of that six-year-old boy who was shot to death by another driver in a road rage attack on the 55 in Orange has announced a $50,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the suspect. The mother of Aiden Leo says she was driving her son to school when a white Volkswagen cut her off Friday morning. She says as she continued driving, the suspect vehicle slipped in behind her and someone in the car fired a shot. She said the bullet went through the trunk and hit her son. 535, we'll talk with ABC's Aaron Katursky. So if you're fully vaccinated, what are you supposed to do when it comes to testing for COVID-19? This information actually was coming out last week, but it completely got buried because we were all, you know, all about the mask mandate last week. That's all everybody could talk about. But apparently then the CDC, whoop. Oh, that's kind of big information. Again, we'll talk with Aaron about that in just a second. All right. Hey, Disneyland is going to end temperature checks on June 15th. The company says the move coincides with the state's plan to no longer work require social distancing and it will allow more businesses to resume full capacity. Now, it didn't mention if there would be a change in the current mask policy, though, or if now we did learn a little bit more that the temperature checks are going to coincide with uh, the park opening larger and I think that there may I'm going to I'll tell you more in your biz bite so I'm going to tease you with it here but I think that you may see bigger capacities at uh, theme parks in California period starting June 15th so June 15th is going to be a big day for I think I think the state and in that normalcy that I was talking to you about about literally being able to sit down and look at a menu and peruse and be that annoying guy who says, can I have two more minutes to look at the menu? That was me. Uh, it it just felt good. And every time there's a little bit more normalcy and a little bit more normalcy, it felt good. Oh, kind of like the Dodgers game last night. Oh, that was so good. Or yesterday, I should say. Um, so if you were listening to the game or watching the game and immediately... The Dodgers are on the board, and you're like, hey, this is pretty good. And then Gavin Lux hit a grand slam. Julio Arias drove in three runs. And the Dodgers, let's see, I'm reading this one from the, uh, let's see, from, is this from the LA Times? The LA Dodgers pounded the Giants 11-5 Sunday for their eighth straight win and a weekend sweep of the Dodgers. I'm looking at you, Gary Hoffman. That was that was fun. All right, let's say good morning now to ABC's Jordana Miller. Jordana, first off, uh, she's live in Jerusalem. Can we get the latest on the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, and is it sticking? It is sticking. We're on day four. We've seen no uh, Hamas rocket fire on southern Israel. We've seen no Israeli airstrikes in the Gaza Strip. The border between Israel and Gaza has been quiet. Uh, some of the Israeli troops there have headed out and some of the tanks as well. Um, so it appears that, you know, this ceasefire is holding. There are some tensions here in Jerusalem, uh, even after the ceasefire was signed. And we saw over the weekend some clashes between Muslim worshippers on Friday with the Israeli police. We saw some clashes in the East Jerusalem neighborhood. 
uh, and there was um, a stabbing attack uh, earlier today uh, in in East Jerusalem as well, a, a Palestinian suspect uh, attacking um, an Israeli soldier and a civilian in a stabbing attack, two moderately wounded. But uh, but overall, it's been a you know radical you know end to the violence um, because it was so intense before. Now, let's talk about what, I mean, this ceasefire, I would assume, is extremely fragile. And what do what does it need or what do both sides need to make this continue going forward? Because if you if you look at the claims that came out over the weekend, and I know you and I briefly touched on this Friday morning, both sides are claiming victory. And yet both sides are sort of warning like, hey, don't push your luck because we're ready to go again. If this ceasefire, you know, in other words, if if you throw rockets at us, we've got some ready to throw right back at you. And that's kind of the message coming from both sides. Absolutely. I mean, both sides are claiming victory, as you said. Um, And if we kind of cut through the spin, uh, the truth is both sides won some things and both sides lost other things. Israel, for example, you know, they did, uh, they're claiming they carried out, you know, extensive uh, military attacks, and that was an accomplishment that the tunnel system Hamas built is heavily damaged, that many militants were killed. But on the other hand, we have to recognize that Israel, A, failed to predict the gunfire on uh, the rocket fire on Jerusalem uh, or failed to stop it if they knew about it, and that they underestimated Hamas's willingness to really drag Israel into a conflict right now, and the arsenal of their rockets was impressive. Uh, and on the other side, Hamas wasn't able to claim any mass casualties or damage, not for lack of trying, but because of the Iron Dome. And Hamas, uh, so Hamas is, you know, couching their victory in other terms. They symbolically fired on Jerusalem. They fired on Tel Aviv. They stopped planes from landing, you know, and they were able to kind of light this fire under Jewish Arab tensions and put the Palestinian-Israeli conflict back on the world stage. Um, Hamas is really vying for the Palestinian street here, and in that we have to say they did succeed. Their popularity is rising. But this ceasefire will be key. The, the terms that are being negotiated, which it appears Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will come here to weigh in on, you know, how much aid will go through the Gaza Strip, and who will... Um, who will oversee that aid? Is it going to go directly to Hamas? Is it going to go through the Palestinian Authority? Is it going to go through the UN? These are all things that will get negotiated uh, in the ceasefire. Will Hamas have to turn over the bodies of two Israeli soldiers and two live Israelis that they've been holding um, that wandered into the Gaza Strip over the last few years? Uh, you know, will Hamas get more um, merchants who can cross Palestinian merchants who can cross in and out? across the borders, you know, who can sell more goods. Will they get, you know, more fishing rights, for example, further into the Mediterranean? These are all things that will be negotiated and they will take a while to hammer out. Okay, going back to what you were saying about uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, um, considering it was Egypt who brokered this ceasefire deal between the two sides, what um, muscle, I guess, will Blinken have in the resumption of these peace talks in the region? Well, we're told that President Biden's Mideast envoy that was here, Hadi Amr, that he did play a major role in behind the scenes in the days leading up to the ceasefire, meeting with both sides, with the Egyptians, 
with the Jordanians. I'm not sure if President Biden and the White House made a mistake by keeping his uh, movements and discussions on such a low uh, radar uh, that uh, now they're claiming he was behind the scenes. But at the time when we were calling to find out what was going on, it was all very hush-hush. Um, but Blinken, you know, in a tweet he put out just uh, a short while ago, said he's coming to help solidify the ceasefire talks. And he said, in a way, he was already defending the U.S. role, saying we worked, you know, we worked hard, you know, to reduce violence uh, behind the scenes. Uh, And uh, Blinken, you know, we shouldn't underestimate uh, the impact he will have in, first of all, helping to um, hammer out or solidify some of these terms for the ceasefire, but also raising um, money and figuring out how Gaza is going to get help, humanitarian aid, and really what would be billions of dollars as quickly as possible. Um, now, the real question is once Lincoln leaves, you know, will the donor donors come through? Will the money actually be delivered? You know, will, will the houses be built? There's a big question of, you know, again, who watches the money once it's in the Gaza Strip? Because Israel and others have argued that, some of this money gets siphoned off and Hamas just kind of rebuilds its rockets and its tunnels. So it's, it's a complicated, it's a, it's a minefield that he's walking into, but that is, you know, the way the Middle East <laughs> politically is. That's it the is way it works. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Jordana, thank you as always. We appreciate your time. Thank you. See you later. Okay, All right, absolutely. ABC's Jordana Miller. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk with ABC's Aaron Katursky about what you need to know if you're fully vaccinated for COVID-19 when it comes to testing, because that information has been released, but I don't really understand why it was sort of released quietly, why it wasn't a major headline when it actually came out, but it's kind of a big deal, something you should know. So that's coming up in just a second. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Let's say good morning to ABC's Aaron Katursky. Aaron, this was pretty big news that came out last week, and yet I feel like it was completely buried underneath our masks. Well, uh, the, the, uh, there are now nine states, uh, and New Mexico joined the ranks over the weekend, where the vaccination rate is uh, of 70% of adults with at least one dose. Another, another nine states have 65%. So, the, you know, slowly but surely, the country is getting to the point, um, you know, where it wants to be. The um, uh, It's not enough. It's it's still too slow, The you know, and all that. But uh, the vaccinations are, are working in these states where there there is that 70 percent threshold. The positivity rate is, uh, you know, is negligible, as is the death rate. Now, the, the news that came out last week, while all of us were sort of focused on what, you know, when are you going to lift the mask mandates? Are we going to lift the mask mandates? That sort of thing was about testing and what people who are fully vaccinated should do when it comes to testing. Yeah, the CDC is really starting to rethink whether testing is, is all that necessary for people who are fully vaccinated because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're unlikely to, to get sick, even if they are carrying the virus. Uh, and so they won't even know they're sick. And and the other thing is they're unlikely to, to transmit the virus to others. And we saw that uh, play out with the New York Yankees, which was sort of interesting. You know, they had nine, a player and, and nine coaches 
test positive, none of whom felt sick or even really knew that they were sick. But it sidelined them for uh, for a number of days. And and uh, the CDC is wondering whether that's even necessary now. I guess then there are going to be some people on the other side who say, but if you have COVID and I'm not vaccinated, I don't want you to give it to me. Well, uh, true, but we're, you're probably not going to. Uh, you know, the, the, the transmissibility among the fully vaccinated is is uh, proving to be rather negligible. So uh, not to say that it can't happen, but um, but the the, uh, the CDC is really beginning to rethink its guidance of, of whether that's actually necessary. And I wonder, too, if um, we're going to see, I don't know if in New York you are seeing the same things we are, but these mass vaccination sites are going to the wayside. And, and I'm sorry, mass testing sites have gone to the wayside of the vaccination sites. And even those seem to be dwindling just because for everybody who's gotten the the COVID test or the vaccine, they've already gotten it. And the people who don't want to get it aren't going to get it. Well, they're still trying, though. And and uh, and while some of the biggest sites no longer seem as as necessary, I think there are, you know, the, the, the ease of access seems to be what's most successful. So you go to the beach in Miami, you can get it on the sand. You go to a ball game in, in a number of uh, major cities, you can get it at the ball game. You, um, you know, so wherever people happen to be, if there's a way to get vaccinated, you know, here in New York, you can get it at any major airport. Flying out, flying in, doesn't matter. You gotta get a shot while you're there. Uh, and and that ease of access really does seem to make a difference in pumping up the vaccination rate. Oh, I'm I'm sure it does. Aaron, thank you so much for that this morning. Thank you, Jen. See ya. ABC's Aaron Katursky. And I do think I mean I know I know this is awful for me to say, but I don't think about necessarily scheduling a flu shot. It's just if I'm at Walgreens and there's the flu shot sign. I go, oh, yeah, I need to get a flu shot. But it's because I'm already there picking up, you know, cards and pictures and whatever else. Um, so I, I, I have a feeling that that accessibility is huge when it comes to people getting the shot. Now, is it going to make a difference, though? At, at what point are we going to hit that complete plateau? And I think we're nearing it of people who have gotten vaccinated and those who just say, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I think we're getting closer, but we'll see. All right. Now, when it comes to younger people getting vaccinated, this news is kind of alarming a lot of parents. The CDC now says it's investigating reports of heart problems in teenagers and young adults who have had COVID-19 vaccines. It says there have been some reports of mainly males developing inflammation of the heart muscle. The CDC says usually goes away on its own. Israel says it's also looking into similar reports in young people. And I was talking with a friend of mine who she was all about getting the COVID vaccine. No problem at all. But she's got younger daughters and was completely adamant about them not getting the COVID vaccine. Because she said, for me, I'll take the gamble. And for me, I want to travel. I mean, she was very honest about it. I am tired of this. I want to get out of this place. But heck no, I'm not getting it from my kids. And I wonder how many parents out there are like that. Where they say, me, fine. But them, no. And then when they hear stories like this, of course they're going to say, well, there you go. There's one more reason not to. But the CDC is still encouraging people to get the vaccine for their kids. Now, here's one for you. Speaking of vaccines and travel. 
What would you think about not doing a rapid PCR test when you go to the airport? So in those cases where you haven't got the vaccine, but there are some places that won't let you travel unless you either have your vaccine or you have a negative COVID test within a few hours of your flight, whatever it is. Well, how about COVID sniffing dogs? Remember we talked about this months ago about how they were going to train dogs to sniff out COVID-19. Well, these poor dogs had to sniff 3,500 odor samples donated by the public of odor samples on masks, socks, and T-shirts. These dogs better have gotten paid big time. Anyway, what they found was that COVID-sniffing dogs could be used to detect COVID-19 at ports of entry, potentially reducing long waits at testing lines when it comes to airports. They said two dogs could accurately scan 300 plane passengers in about half an hour as part of a rapid screening test. Then only the people selected by the dogs would actually have to undergo a PCR test. They say there's growing evidence the dogs can identify COVID patients much the same way that they can sniff out bombs or drugs or other diseases. Apparently, our pathogens produce this organic compound that's released by sort of, I guess, the the sick cells. And those smells are what the dogs detect. And that's when they're able to say, ah, that guy, that guy's got sick cells. Take him out of the line. Now, they say the current methods of testing for COVID aren't suitable for rapid screening of large numbers of people. And according to the London School of Hygiene, which did this study, for other disease outbreaks in the future, we think dogs can be deployed to quickly screen people and help stop an outbreak when it first begins. Now, the strategy of dog selection followed by a PCR test would detect 91% of cases. But imagine if you're standing in line and the dogs would just go down the line instead of you having to get that PCR test every time because it was required. If the dog sniffed you and passed you, you're good to go. It's only if the dog stops that you then would have to take the test. That'd be pretty amazing if they're able to make this work. That again is in Britain and not implemented. It's just the results of a study. The Riverside Police Department says a man who stabbed two barbers before being shot to death by one of them was a former employee. The cops say the guy allegedly started a fight with the barbers and then stabbed them Friday night before one of them shot him. Shot him. Now, he was taken to the hospital where he later died. The Riverside County DA's office says it will review the cases. And here's a reason to clean out your car seats. When you, okay, when's the last time you cleaned your car? And when you reached between the cushions in the seat, what'd you find? Usually I find really gross stuff. I got to admit it. Why, why is it always sticky? Why? Why is there always something I don't even remember ever being in the car? Granted, the dogs probably bought, brought it in, but whatever. Always, when I'm cleaning the truck, it's, mm, what is down there? Well, I wish I was this kid. Nine-year-old boy in Indiana. He apparently found $5,000 in cash in an envelope under the floor mat of his family's car. Now, the little boy is named Landon Melvin, and his dad said, I couldn't believe it. Landon said, I was cleaning my dad's car, and when I looked under the floorboard, I found a package. Then I told my dad, and he was like, whatever. You know, I did. 
the dad says. I was like, whatever. He said he's nine. I'm like, you found something? Okay. And apparently little Landon says, no doubt I really did. So he's fine. So he walks over and he looks at it and he reaches down and he says, what's this? And he said, I thought maybe it was just some paperwork of some sort. Now, the Melvins bought this SUV in September, and the money apparently belonged to a family in South Carolina who was the previous owner. And this family, remember, is in Indiana. In 2019, the family drove to Florida for a cruise and forgot where they put the money. Two years later, the cash was found, and when the father and son found it, they tracked down the family. The owners of the cash said they would only accept the money if Landon got $1,000 for his good deed. So what's little Landon going to do with the money? He says, mm, it's upstairs in my room. I've just been thinking and thinking of all the stuff I could buy. <laughs> the nine-year-old said he'll never say no to cleaning out a car again. <laughs> there you go. You recently bought a car? Shoot. If you have a car that was new to you at one time, so you bought a previously owned vehicle... I want you to go through that car with a fine-tooth comb because you don't know what's in that car, for better or worse. <laughs> All right, we come back. I've got your biz bites this morning. And uh, if you were worth $60,000 last week and you're worth thirty grand this week, would that volatility keep you from investing in something? Or would you think, nah, it's just ebb and flow. It's going to go back to sixty. You know what I'm talking about. Bitcoin. Bitcoin last week, you were over worth over $60,000. This week, it's down to $32,000. And I do have some good news for fans of Disneyland. And I have a really expensive bit of news for fans of Disneyland. And a really good boy just landed a really good job. We'll explain. your big winner from last night at the Billboard Music Awards, The Weeknd, named Top Artist. Among other winners, The Weeknd won last night include Top Radio Song Artist, Top R&B Artist, Top R&B Album. And the other major winner, uh, you had Pink who won, and Taylor Swift was named Top Female Artist. We'll talk more about that throughout the morning. Right now, let's take a look, uh, see what you've got there on the table, shall we? It's time for Biz Bites. Bites of business. Biz Bites. On Wake Up Call with Jennifer Jones-Lee. Uh, it pains me to tell this story. Not because I have Bitcoin, but just because of anybody who's got Bitcoin. I, I, I don't want to rub it in. But Bitcoin was down 12% yesterday from its price Saturday, which is off 50% from its high this year. So on April 14th, Bitcoin closed at its high, $64,895.22. Now, just over a month later, the price is $32,601. Granted, that's still a lot of money. And probably your cost-benefit analysis is still really good. However, the weekend drop comes on the heels of comments from Elon Musk who talked about Dogecoin, which also saw declines of 15%. Ethereum also dropped 14%. And a lot of people say, yeah, there are other reasons behind it. I get it. 
But if you think about it, timing-wise, it's when Elon Musk went on Saturday Night Live and made those comments about his mom saying, oh, I hope I don't get Dogecoin for uh, Mother's Day. And it was it was then that we saw the snowball. All right, I teased you a little bit with this, but California theme parks have been cleared to return to full capacity in June. So that means Disneyland and Universal Studios Hollywood have been given the okay to go back to full capacity starting June 15th. And that's when the state plans to lift the blueprint for a safer economy and full reopen. Now, according to Governor Newsom, he said, we're keeping it simple. Businesses will be able to return to usual operations June 15th. Physical distancing and capacity limitations will no longer be required for most places. All right, that's the good news. Now, the crazy news this morning about Disneyland, I'm seeing now did not somehow get printed. Disneyland is offering a $100 sandwich that I'm going to tell you about in just a second. But the thrill is apparently gone. The thrill is gone in Los Angeles. Remember the, the sky slide, the skyscraper slide? Yeah, that's no more. The new owner of the U.S. Bank Tower says it's going to remove the sky slide. It opened in 2016. It's 1,000 feet above the ground. The sky slide is a see-through enclosure. And uh, if you've ever been on it before, I admit I did not actually go on the darn thing. But that uh, everybody said it was great. But... The U.S. Bank Tower sold last year for $430 million, and it says it's going to spend $60 million on upgrade to make it more appealing to businesses. And I guess that means the upgrades don't need to include a sky slide. And I'd like you to meet Ethan. He is a, this is according to the CNN story, blockheaded jowly rescue pup who had a terrific resume. And a story that will inspire us to for years to come. Who said this? Bush, as in Bush Beer. Bush Beer has found what it calls the goodest boy to be its official dog brew chief tasting officer. Four months ago, Ethan was abandoned in a parking lot in the Humane Society in Kentucky. And with the help of the organization, he defied the odds. Apparently, he was in really bad shape and became a happy, healthy puppy with, they say, an absolutely stupid grin. And if you see him, he's uh, he might be like a pit mix, and he's kind of brindle color. And he kind of, I will admit, has the dopiest face ever, and yet a dopey face that I just want to go cuddle. Anyway, Bush announced last month that it was looking around to fill a job for its dog brew, its canine-friendly, non-alcoholic bone broth. So the job pays $20,000 a year, plus free dog brew, of course. And includes such vital responsibilities as oh, taste testing, quality control, and fulfilling duties as an ambassador for the product. So there you go. Your new ambassador for Bush's Dog Brew is Ethan the Rescue Dog. This is KFI and KOSTHD2 Los Angeles. And I, fo- I promise I'll follow up on the $100 Disneyland sandwich tomorrow during Biz Bites. We lead local, live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.